Hey, I'm Pastor Robert. Welcome to Riverside Friends Church. We're going to continue our look at 1 Corinthians. And you know what? This is the last. This is it. This is the last sermon in 1 Corinthians. I've enjoyed it. It's taken like six months for us to do this. We've gone over every single passage in the book of the of 1 Corinthians. Between Paul and myself, every verse has been preached on. We didn't skip a single one, uh, which means at this point, you are an expert in 1 Corinthians. And so there's going to be a quiz after the service, just so you know. Um, yeah, just prepare yourself. There's a quiz coming. <laughs> nah. But today I get to cover the last few verses of 1 Corinthians. And I want to try to sum up the thrust of Paul's message to the 1 Corinthians. We're going to start in like uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 to 14. If you want to flip there, verses 13 to 14. It says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. And so Paul is ending this letter by reminding the people to keep alert, stand firm, let all they do be done in love. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like a difficult task. Everything I do needs to be done in love. That just sounds hard. And lots of times it's easy for me to ask the question, have they earned love? Do they deserve to be loved? And I know that you're probably a better person than me and you don't think that way and you don't ask those questions about other people. I do. You know, I only have like so much to give. So why should I give it to that person? And the same thing is probably true about myself. With as many people that are, that are here and listening, there's going to be a number of people of you who struggle with like self-worth. You, you'll ask the question about yourself. Not, and the question won't be as much of, do they deserve love? It'll be, do I deserve love? Have I earned love? And I've really been thinking recently about the ideas of deserve and earn. You know, last month, Sarah and I, we went and we were in Maine for our 10th anniversary. It was a blast. There's this like really neat restaurant called, um, or this uh, part of Acadia National Park. There's this neat restaurant that overlooks Jordan Pond. It's called the Jordan Pond House. I got, I got it pulled up for you. Just give me one second. Let me flip over. Yeah. I just Googled Jordan Pond popovers. This is, the how, this is where the building is. Um, it overlooks this like beautiful part of the mountains back there and the water back here. You get these delicious little things called popovers. And they're just, he has like little treats. They're um, milk and eggs and flour all mixed together. They're put in a little, like a muffin tin and they expand that super hot oven. They expand up and they, lots of times they'll fall over. So they're called popovers. You eat them with jam and butter there. See if I can get a good picture of just the Jordan house. Nope, that's Jordan Pond House. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, this is what the building looks like. It's kind of neat. Neat place. Sarah and I ate like on one of these tables. It's this picture right here. We ate at this far back table right back over here. A very far table. Yeah, yeah. But I got some like other cool pictures too uh, that we can take a look at. Acadia National Park, it has like four trails that have these like iron rungs on them. Here, this is what these iron rungs look like. And you use these rungs to get up, up the, up the cliff face. And people die. Like you got to use these irons to get this like, to get up there. But people actually 
sky. It's several hundred feet down to down below. So we climbed up some of these and you can see here's like a photo of Sarah. And then next here's how far down it is. It's several hundred feet down. And so you have these pieces of iron that are driven into the side of the mountain that form these ladders that you have to climb up. And you can just tell kind of how high it is. I click through these pretty fast. Here's Sarah climbing up one. You just see how high it is. It's way up there. It's several hundred feet down below. It's a ways. And, you know, people don't fall often enough that it's dangerous, that it's like that they close the route. But every year or so, every couple of years, somebody falls and dies. And so when we finished like this climb to the Jordan Cliff Trail, we thought we needed to celebrate. And I thought we earned those popovers. And so we went and we had popovers over there. They were delicious. And here's what I wrote in my journal that evening. I wrote, deserve versus earn. What's the difference? I said, perhaps we're too cavalier in declaring both. I deserve because of who I am. I've earned because of what I've done. In deserve, I think I'm worthy because of status. In earn, I think I'm worthy because of accomplishment. And after hiking the Jordan Cliff Trail with the iron rungs driven into the cliff face, we felt like we earned a popover from the Jordan house. I've been wrestling with that all day. Perhaps basing what I've earned or deserve on myself is where I go awry. Because if I'm made in God's image, that means that I deserve respect and glory or respect and love and grace. And if I'm remade in Jesus' resurrection, that means that he has earned for me a life, a calling, and a relationship with him. So live a little. It's deserved and earned, but not by you. Let the one who is worthy guide the life you live a little. So I want you to know today that you deserve love and respect and grace, but it's not because of anything that you've done. It's because God has made you in his image. You are loved not because you're lovable, because sometimes it's hard to love you. But God says he's loved, but God says that he loves you. So you are lovable. You're lovable not because of anything that you've done. You're lovable because, because of God. That the God of the universe, who set galaxies in motion, who formed the very sun and the stars, who formed the Jordan cliffs of Maine and carved out like the river behind us, this God was not too busy and he made you. He took time to form you, who breathed life into your lungs. He's held you close every moment of your life. He has seen every up and every down in your life. And he says that he loves you. You're lovable not because of what you've done, but because what he says is true. And some of us, we feel like we need to earn it before we feel like we deserve it. Like we've taken our lives and it feels like we've tried to climb the cliffs and we've fallen off and our lives feel destroyed. You don't have to feel like you've earned it or that you deserve it for God's love to be true. It's true regardless of what you think of it. When we let go of our ideas of earn and deserve and we take up God's ideas that he has already earned it for us and we deserve it just because we're made in his image, I think that grants us so much freedom. Like we can breathe 
read on verses 15 to 20. In 1 Corinthians 16, it says, You know the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. And I urge you, brothers and sisters, submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours also, and such men deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia sends you greeting. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers and sisters here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. There's two verses I want to focus in on in in this little section. In verse 18, Paul says, Give recognition to the people who have devoted themselves to the work of the saints. And when we live in the freedom of God, Giving recognition to others becomes so easy because so often we hesitate to recognize others because we want the recognition ourselves. I want people to notice me, so therefore, I won't point out the goodness of others. But when we live and recognize that none of us have earned it and we all deserve it because of God, it becomes so much easier to recognize and to celebrate the accomplishments of those around us. Let's talk for a minute about the church at Corinth. Because they are a church that is changing and growing. The city of Corinth is situated on an isthmus. It's, this is, an isthmus is like, you know, there's like a big piece of land up over here and maybe like what would be an island down here, except there's like a little strip of land connecting them. That's what an isthmus is. And we get the name isthmus because the city of Corinth, its sister city, is called isthmus. That's just what it is. And so we've named this piece of land after the city, Isthmus. Corinth is on an Isthmus. And what this Isthmus does is it connects up above, up to the northwest of them is Italy. And to the, excuse me, to the northeast of, yeah, to the northwest of them is Italy. And to the east of them is Turkey. And so everybody from both of those places bring their goods to the Isthmus of Corinth. And so Corinth is this giant city that takes up the entire isthmus and you get people from the east bringing their trade, their trade goods from Turkey, people from the northwest bringing their trade goods from Italy, and they just stop there at Corinth and they just trade. They just trade them back and forth and they go back home. That way they don't have to make the entire journey. Corinth is just an easy city right in the middle. And it was so easy to get to. It's the richest city in all of the Roman Empire. It's probably the richest city in the world at this time. So you have these people who are incredibly wealthy because they're working in the trading industry. You have these rich Gentiles, and they're trying to worship God alongside of poor Jews. And then you also have incredibly rich Jews who are trying to worship alongside very poor Gentiles. And you have these four groups together, rich and poor of both Jews and Gentiles, all four groups coming together going, we're going to worship God. This is our church. And Paul's letter is telling them, let all you do be based in love. We've been preaching through 1 Corinthians for like six months. And what we've seen over and over again, Paul, he has a number of issues that need to be addressed. And I think most of them stem from this conflict that is grounded in 
how do these people who are so different worship God together? And what Paul says here at the very end is recognize, recognize the people in your midst who are devoted to the service of the saints. He's telling them, don't feel so superior that you need to be recognized. Instead, recognize others. And then Paul tells them in verse 20, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, this idea of greeting one another with a kiss, there's no evidence that this was practiced by the larger Greco-Roman world. This greeting with a holy kiss, it's unique to the Christian church. It started here. And Paul's desire is that this church, with all these different social classes, with the dirty vagabonds and the clean aristocracy, that they would enter the church and greet one another mouth to mouth. When you kiss somebody, each person gives up some of themselves to embrace the other. And when we dislike somebody, we try to avoid them. If they come, if the, if they come to church too, well, I'm going to sit in the farthest pew from them. When we dislike somebody, we try to avoid them. Like we try to stay away from them. Paul says, no, you don't get to avoid them. You get to greet them this close, this close. Let me put it this way. There is a division in our world. Division separates. We draw lines. We're really good at drawing lines and separating and segregating people into us and them, into us and them. There's us and there's them. And if you're with us, you believe the same thing as us. And if you're with them, you believe what they believe. And we don't leave a lot of wiggle room. We tend to operate in a lot of black and white here. I think there's a great example going on right now in our House of Representatives at the national level. Right now, our House of Representatives is currently without a speaker. And there's a clear Republican majority. It's not like, oh, there's, there's a split between Republican and Democrats. They got the same numbers. They got to work together, whatever. No, there's a Republican majority. If all the Republicans voted for the same person, that person would be speaker. They have the votes, yet there is a fracture in the Republican Party. And we know there's a fracture because there's no speaker. And nothing can happen at the federal level as far as spending bills, new laws, or anything like that until there's a speaker. There's a fracture in the Republican Party. What's happened is there's a far right, far right? Yeah, this is your right on the cam, on the screen. Wait, this is your right. I'm trying to think about how this is going to appear on screen when you watch this video. Yeah, there is a far right MAGA movement that supports and embraces policies and positions of former President Trump. And there's a more moderate part of the party that sees this shift as unhealthy in light of things like January 6th and the failure to see the election as what it was, not stolen. And there's Jim Jordan, who's the current figurehead of the MAGA movement, and he's been trying to get the moderate Republicans to fall in line. Fall in line. Fall in line. Here's the deal. There will always be a group of people trying to get you to all in line. As Christians, though, we don't fall in line. We fall in love. Christianity, when it's at its best, is a radical, countercultural movement of dissidents grounded in the extreme love of Jesus Christ. And we miss the mark when we spend our time trying to get people to follow Christianity 
and to fall in line when our efforts are best served helping people to fall in love with Jesus Christ. Paul says, recognize the people who have fallen in love with Christ. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Paul's appeal to the people of Corinth is to be people who love. Not only are you worthy of love because Christ died for us, the ideas of earn and deserve, they don't only apply to me. God says that we all deserve love, and he has earned it for us all through his death on the cross. Let's read verse 21 to 24. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Paul concludes his letter here with a benediction, a good word. If somebody doesn't love the Lord, let them be cursed. That can sound harsh. Paul is talking to the church, though. So if there is somebody who is in the church and wants to be in the church, but they don't love the Lord, Paul uses the Greek word anathema, which means curse, but it also carries with it the idea of being cut off. If somebody is in the church and is not loving towards God, you need to have a conversation about why are you here? If you don't love the Lord, why are you here? And yet Paul then says, come, come, O Lord. This is an eschatological prayer. It is a call for Jesus to return. It is asking that the Lord Jesus would return to this earth to make earth as it is in heaven. And there's a sense that when the people of the church are people who love God, but we also have a purpose of sharing that love with others. And Paul begins his letters to Corinth by saying in verse Chapter 1, verse 3, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. And he ends it here now with that same idea. He closes by saying, 1 Corinthians 16, 23, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. And then Paul reiterates his own love for the people, saying, I, may my love, my love is with you in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul has been very sharp with them. Here's what we have to remember. Paul, through this whole letter, has been very sharp with the people of Corinth, sharp in their correction. And so now he he reiterates that he loves them one final time. Paul has spent this whole 16 chapters warning them precisely because he loves them. Why did we spend six months going through this book? Is it because we had nothing better to do? No, here's why. Because in a lot of ways, our church is reflective of the church in Corinth. Our church is changing and we are growing younger. The changing demographics and the direction of the church has not always been easy on the long-term members. We are like the Corinthian church. And I, I need to ask, how loving have you been? Where there are differences in our community, have you expressed love? Do you say of yourself that I have done everything in love like Paul asks? Would you say that you greet everyone with the joy and intimacy needed in the holy kiss? And with Paul, can you say, my love be with all of you in Christ Jesus? But here's what we've seen today. We've seen that you are loved. You are loved not because of anything you've done or any status ascribed to you. Instead, God earned and you deserve love and grace because of what God has accomplished through Jesus Christ. But this isn't just for us. 
This isn't just for us, right? We're not meant to keep it for ourselves. Instead, because we are loved, we love others. And the church should be the most loving place in the world. It's this place where people come not to fall in line, but to fall in love with Jesus Christ, where we offering and we're offering comfort to a broken world around us. And since Jesus is coming back, we have a mission and a purpose to share the love of God with as many people as we can. And I'm not saying I believe Jesus is coming back tomorrow. He might be, I don't know. But I would not be surprised either if I live my whole life without Jesus coming back. Mostly because every Christian so far has lived their whole life without Jesus coming back. But that doesn't change the urgency of the call to love. Since God has loved us so greatly, we need to return that love back to him. We need to return it back to him. I want to just challenge you this week. What, how is God going to ask you to love? Who are those difficult people Sometimes you say, I think they need to earn it. I think they don't deserve it. Is God really saying, hey, neither did you. I did it first. Go and love them. Go and love them like I love them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to ask that you would just continue to make yourself known in this place. And would you just receive this, this love that we have? We just receive it back into yourself, Lord, because we know it first came from you. We just ask that you just help us, and we just want to thank you for this good book in 1 Corinthians. Would you help us just to remember and just keep it fresh in our minds, Lord? We just ask this in your name. Amen.